AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. Hello, welcome to AT&T ThreatTrack for December 22nd, 2016. This program provides network security highlights, discussion, and countermeasures for cyber threats. Today, we're joined by John Hogeboom. John, you're the uh, a lead security analyst on our team, and welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've always got that. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay, and Stan Nurlov, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Glad Brian. to have you here, and you're same. one of our lead security analysts as well, though I guess you're a principal security analyst and uh, with the same a specialization <laughs> of malware reverse engineering. And uh, yes. You, you usually have a, you know, an interesting discussion about something you've torn apart before. So yeah, you, so uh, I've been uh, spending a lot of time on the uh, Mirai, as right. has everybody else. I, of course, it's always nice when the source code is released. You don't have to do uh, quite as much uh, mm -hmm. low-level reverse engineering. Uh, but it's also nice because uh, you get to see, you get to check your work. And it's mm -hmm. rare that you get to do that in reverse engineering. Um, so I'm doing pretty well right. <laughs> in that regard. I give myself an A+. <laughs> okay. I've got a feeling we're going to be talking about that a little bit yes. here at some point. So, all right, good. And I'm Brian Rexrode, and I'm a pointy-haired manager. And anybody that's a Dilbert fan is probably quite acutely aware of what that means. In any case, uh, let's go. And what we're going to do today is we're going to review you know, we had a program at the end of 2015 mm -hmm. where we were making our predictions for 2016 and, uh, you know, Manny Ortiz was on the program, uh, Matt Kaiser was on the program, and I was on the program. And so we each had our own little predictions here. So what we're going to do is kind of go back and review those and uh, we'll, you know, kind of give each other some grades on it. And not to worry, I'm not going to... Well, we're not graded. No, we didn't yeah, have no predictions. Last. Retribution for if, if I get a bad grade here. So uh, there's no penalty for uh, if I get a bad grade. So um, first of all, Manny had a forecast for 2016, and it was he was predicting an increase in cloud compromises. And so, uh, John, I'll go to you first. And what do you think about that? How, what, what's been taking place over the last year that? Well, I don't know if there's been any notable media reports of cloud compromises, yeah. um, but I think in general, the cloud has become an attractive platform mm -hmm. for botnet operators, um, and we know that there have been compromises in mm -hmm. cloud platforms. So, um, you know, certain companies are doing better jobs at you know securing and making sure these environments stay safe. But mm -hmm. it is a tricky thing because. Um, in cloud environments, you you allow your you know your customers to go in there and really mm -hmm. configure the machine however they want. Whereas in the old kind of traditional web hosting, there was a little bit more control mm -hmm. by the provider of what software was on there. They didn't really have root access; they could do certain things. But in this space, you can really put whatever you want on there, so that mm -hmm. allows you to make a lot of mistakes yeah. and leave a lot of vulnerabilities, dumb passwords whatever, uh, so, you know, it is an attractive target for um, for You know, I think attackers. an important aspect of this is I think, um, and, and I don't remember the, exactly the context in which Manny was uh, describing this. I think it was in the context of perhaps infrastructure as a service, but I think it's really important to consider, so, which is consistent with what you were describing. But I think it's really important, that, particularly for business enterprises that are purchasing cloud services, 
is to take a careful look at what this service really provides. That is, right. if it's infrastructure as a service, that is, you know, you provided a server platform and you're responsible for putting your application on top of that and then making sure that the security controls for that application are there. That's a, you know, that's one sort of view of things. And then there are software services as a cloud service. And, you know, LinkedIn is a cloud-based service. A lot of our email services are cloud-based mm -hmm. services today. And so that's another perspective. And I think it's very important that you understand what you're getting for that in terms of, you know, patching services, in terms of even detecting threats, um, detecting exploits, who's responsible for investigating those kinds of events, and what types of concerns you might have in terms of the data that might be lost and things like that. So I, am, I think the infrastructure service industry in general has matured. That is, if you go to a reputable cloud service, they have pretty good controls in place. It's a well-understood environment. Some of the services, there still have been some significant breaches over the last year. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it depends on perhaps the mindset of the organization that's providing the service. Is it just a, you know, sort of an entertainment type thing, type thing? And have they really put in all the checks and balances that need to be there to be able to detect and respond and deal with any types of threats that are, you know, even threatening the, the, uh, the service, let alone perhaps compromising it. So I think there's still a lot of uh, maturing that needs to take place. So what it, that's sort of my point of view here. I'm, I'm perhaps biasing your grade, but <laughs> you get to give the first grade here. Oh, the first grade, and we're going like through an A through F kind of scale? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I'll give it a B. Give it a B? Uh, I'm, not, okay. I'm not good about giving A's out on anything. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people. I think uh, last time I was the one who gave the A's out to everyone. You gave A's out to everybody? I think so. Yeah, generous guy. So what do you say here? Well, I just gave myself an A plus earlier. <laughs> you did do that. We right. weren't even grading yet. But other people only get an A. Stan gets the A plus. Okay, but you have to grade this thing now. Cloud compromises. Cloud compromises. I don't know if we've seen a significant increase uh, in cloud compromises. I think in terms of compromises, it's been about the same as usual, and it mm -hmm. probably doesn't matter what the hosting platform is. I think most of the um, contributions to the compromise are not specifically, let's say, the cloud. It's mm -hmm. usually right. the protections around it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, I think that's why it's a little hard to track it that way. Um, so I would probably give it a B, like John. B. I don't think okay. it... It, it's exactly pr predicted, but there are, have been compromises, both in the infrastructure as a cloud mm -hmm. and the other kind of cloud providers you mentioned. Uh, B, B is fair. Mm -hmm. Okay, B. I guess I'm straying away from my A's. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm a stingy guy here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a C. And, oh, and the reason nice. why, I mean. I like that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the reason why is because I, I don't think this has really become a notable issue per se, but. I think it is a pertinent thing. It was a pertinent prediction. I think it was one to be able to say that really enterprises need to be paying attention to cloud services, how they're purchasing it, what they're getting for it, what are the patch management processes around it, you know, what are, uh, what are you know, your, your, the controls that are in place. So I think it's a very important consideration. I think it was a good consideration then. I think it's a good consideration now. In terms of predicting the issue, I'm not sure if it's been an increase. I think it's actually perhaps been a decrease, at least in the infrastructure industry that they've 
uh, gotten better controls around it. You know, remember 2012, we were dealing with just rampant cases of Joomla and WordPress sites being right. compromised. Um, I, I don't know if it's since then, but just I think last week, John, you were talking about how WordPress has automatic update features. That, that was last with week, it. right, yeah. Right, and so I see that as an improvement in how cloud services are, are, are managed. Right, or at least some of the, the software products on top yeah. of the cloud, right. Um, the one thing I would say about cloud is I'm a big advocate of it because it allows you to really quickly and easily set up machines mm -hmm. and scale quickly. Oh, advocate, yeah. However, it also allows you to make mistakes really quickly mm -hmm. too because of that. Whereas in the old days, we had a lot more checks and balances when we would set up a new mm -hmm. environment and new hardware. There was a little bit more control around, let's make sure that there's a firewall policy in place. Now with cloud, mm -hmm. everybody's boom, you know, fling it up there and let's go. Bureaucracy, Bureaucracy is, is a, a firewall. firewall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, <laughs> that's very good. Um, all right, so uh, I think we have a B, a B, and a C here, and uh, so we're going to go to the next one. And like I said, no retribution here for uh, any bad grades. But uh, my forecast was uh, a new emphasis on preventative technology. And so what is really kind of, and I'm going to, I think I described it as hopeful. That is, I think there's been an awful lot of emphasis around using threat intelligence as a, you know, basically experience or information about threats um, that had already occurred, basically attacks that had occurred and trying to use that to prevent future attacks. I don't think that's been really a very effective approach to things. It might give you some insights into type things that may have already taken place, but I think the, um, what really needs to happen is to look at security from a preventative point of view, that is to put controls into place before there's an attack so that the attacks are not successful as opposed to trying to respond to attacks. So um, that was my prediction. And Stan, you get, the, uh, you get to give the first grade, grade here. I feel like I should give you an A. I'm gonna grade myself. <laughs> no, you don't have to give me an A. <laughs> I will might be in the Bs. Uh, well, I think that uh, vendors in general would have you believe that you know they're doing more on the preventative side so mm -hmm. there are more features packed in some some of their appliances um, but I don't know that every organization has yet adopted the, the right kind of stance with preventative technologies mm -hmm. or even enabling all of the features from all of the vendors that mm -hmm. they kind of subscribe to so I think I don't know if it was a prediction of yours. Like you said, I think you were more hopeful that people would do that. And there's certainly, I think, more marketing around it. But I don't know that people are exactly making that part of their, sh some are, and I guess some mm -hmm. aren't. And so I would say B, uh, that it's a good hopeful thing and we should always be striving towards it. And I think in security in general, that's kind of, that's a never ending life cycle. You're always trying mm -hmm. to be preventative, but you never quite get there. So. Uh, I think B is fair. Okay, B. What do you say? Um, I'm, I'm probably going to score similarly. Um, for me, when, especially when you're talking about threat intelligence and some of these threat intelligence marketplaces, my, I think that space is still maturing. It has not That's matured true. yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of saw it maybe two years ago really starting to come into its own, a lot of new players coming in and whatnot, but I still don't think it's really taken hold, kind of like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, people really aren't leveraging it well. But also, a lot of these public or even commercial threat intelligence marketplaces, a lot of their intelligence that they put in there and indicators 
is generally burned, in my opinion, by the time it's in there. And, and, and by the way, I didn't mean to diminish the value of threat intelligence. That, right, that I'm not trying not to say that either. But it, my, my point was exactly as you, if, if you've better, you described it better, getting all twisted on words today, but you described it better, that is, the information that's there is basically historical information as opposed to current information. And I think we need to get to a higher level of abstraction in threat intelligence to actually have you know, intelligence. It can't really be data about what, you know, old things that had taken place. So Right, right. You're absolutely right. Um, and I think, you know, this whole process, people are working out the kinks as we go here. And once mm -hmm. it really becomes uh, a platform that you can really utilize well, then you might see more things get in there. But again, it's tricky. Once it's in, it's burned in a way. Mm -hmm. So in the old days, a lot of us kept a lot of our indicators kind of on the QT in very closed communities, very isolated, because we didn't really want the adversary, especially when it's a nation state kind of thing, to know that um, we know. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's a tricky balance there, of especially with some of these commercial marketplaces where you have a lot of participants. If you think that the adversaries aren't also in there, realizing that their infrastructure is now inside these threat intelligence databases, that would mm -hmm. be a pretty naive thing to think. Yeah. So, um, anyway. I mean, that's kind of and, my And that's one of the big challenges with the information sharing approach to things is that as the information gets shared, you have to assume that the, the, uh, the bad actors, the attackers are also trying to get that information and then use that to either adapt their attack techniques or, or tools or the uh, infrastructure that they're using to help subvert the uh, benefit of that uh, shared information. So. Right, and I'm not trying to say that I'm mm -hmm. against the sharing of threat intelligence because yeah. I'm totally all for it. It's just that it's a fine balance that you have to, to walk with yeah. that. Um, uh, and it, since we're on the subject, it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, um, the book I like the best around this topic is um, uh, Liars and Outliers by Bruce, Bruce Schneier. Mm -hmm. And he actually goes into, it's about a couple of years old now, but he goes into why threat intelligence sharing is difficult and how it's there's basically we're programmed to be able to have a finite sized trust group oh, that right. is it's sort of a tribal behavior that I think their number the magic number was about 124 people or something like that that we are capable of trusting in a particular way just to, and you can you can overcome those tendencies but to have a huge trust group really isn't a fathomable thing because you lose your context of what information you can trust those folks with and who you can even trust in those circumstances. So that's, uh, it's an interesting book. It's, mm -hmm. It goes into a lot more detail than right, right, <laughs> obviously right. that I just described here. Okay, um, you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and grade myself on this. I'm, and I was a B, by the way. Okay, it was okay. a B, sorry. <laughs> the, um, so we got a B and a B. I'm gonna give myself a C. And uh, a tough critic. Not <laughs> a tough grader. The uh, and here's the reason why. I I I was hopeful that this would come about. I know we've done some things in terms of preventative things to try to pick up indicators that would be suggestive of a problem before it's occurred, and we've made some had some good success with that. I haven't really seen it so much in the industry. In fact, what I've heard, I've been hearing, are things like, well, applying new technology, like machine learning, mm -hmm. to try to block threats. And uh, what I think really needs to happen is to kind of reverse that trend. 
that is to use machine learning to observe normal behavior of things, put the controls in place based on expected observed behaviors, and then use that as a means to make the threats, the attacks, just basically unsuccessful. If we have, if we have to wait for the threat actor to do something, and then we're trying to react to it, it requires a lot more real-time processing. There are a lot of ch technical challenges around that. And quite frankly, you can't learn about something that you can't see. You can observe how an application is behaving normally. You can't observe how a threat actor is going to do something. So I don't see how machine learning is going to be effective at doing that. So uh, I'm hopeful. And there, there actually are companies that are working in this direction. I haven't done a, any detailed evaluation on that yet, but the um, there are definitely are companies working in this direction, and I think it's the way it needs to, needs to go. So uh, perhaps that was a year ahead in the, uh, in the prediction, we'll see. So we have, uh, we're gonna have to get our grade point average up here. <laughs> it doesn't bode well for the next one for me. <laughs> okay, so Matt's forecast, it was the uh, year of point of sale malware. And so uh, I guess it's your turn to go, or should I go first here? You can Maybe go I first, should sure. go first. You know, I'll tell you what, um, it's still definitely out there. I think the, the shock trauma of the news reports had uh, basically come and, and gone associated with point of sale malware, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's still kind of rampant. And you know what kind of the interesting thing, and I think um, I have to credit Todd Vascalis on this, and he's gonna be participating with us on our prediction show. Uh, but uh, one of the things he had mentioned is that, you know, the tendency is for people to go walk up to a register or whatever to use their credit card, swipe the card, and then have the person running, oh no, you have to stick your card in the, in the machine. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that if you swipe the card, you've already, and that machine has been, that reader has been compromised, you've already been had. The chip and pin isn't gonna help you at that point. Right. The chip's not gonna help you at that point. And so, the better practice would be to walk up, as most people weren't, stick it in there and have them tell you, no, you have to swipe it or something like that. But there's still significant transition that needs to be made to protect against this. There have been a lot of attacks going on in the background. They still are, are pretty rampant. They just haven't made the news. Yeah, so and I don't think, like, from a newsworthiness, I don't mm -hmm. think we've seen any major, or at least nobody's reported as major ones as, like, the Target incident and whatnot from years past mm -hmm. in terms of, like, a wide-scale point-of-sale type incident. But we know, you know, Stan and I did a little pet project last year looking at some point-of-sale stuff, and there are definitely infections out there, mm -hmm. and there's credit cards streaming across all day, every yeah. day, continuously. Um, as you know, these infected you know people are using these infected mm -hmm. devices at a lot of you know little local retail stores and yeah. things of that nature. So, yeah, there there haven't really been the big headline news items. Yeah, it's more like, smaller stores and whatnot that mm -hmm. at least I think we've seen. Okay, I'm giving it a C. I was going to go with a C as well. What do you think, Stan? <laughs> well, I feel like we we have to give two grades. One for is it still happening? and the other for the newsworthiness of it. So for the newsworthiness, that's a C, but I think because it's still happening in the background and it's ongoing, and we should still pay attention to it, I think B, but we mm -hmm. haven't, you know, it's not an A because it hasn't made that big splash and people mm -hmm. aren't really excited about it. It seems like only when people are excited about something does uh, you know, action taken against it. So yeah. maybe maybe some action's already been taken against it, right? Well, it's actually a good point. The um, it, it, if it doesn't make a splash, it doesn't 
make the news, then it doesn't get the same kind of reaction that perhaps is really needed. And I think that's one of the real subtleties in these predictions is there's that sort of sweet spot in a sense. That is, if it becomes a really big issue, the tendency is there's a response around it and it tends to fix things and damper the, the, you know, the issue. Right. And then the other thing, sometimes they just don't pan out. And so there's that in-between space when you're looking at predictions that is what things are gonna kind of fly under the radar and keep going. So I think you're convincing me that this is one that's actually kind of a B because it's still going on, hasn't made the headlines, they've kind of kept it under the radar and, yeah. uh, and it continues on. Yeah. And there's also been, you know, there's been a shift in the way people uh, bank as well, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of mobile banking and a lot of mobile payments. So I think there's something to pay attention to even the next year as people try to figure out how to hack those systems. I know uh, several talks this year uh, given at various conferences, you know, where they try to attack these systems. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so it's definitely still going and probably evolving. Okay. So what grade did you B. A B? B and okay. C for newsworthiness. You convinced me to do uh, up, up <laughs> to, it to a B. So I think we're doing pretty well. B, yeah, B, C well. or stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So now it's done the best so far. Yeah. Uh, no, I think about the same. Cause we, oh, we, no, yeah, you're right. We're you're all right. the same. Right, we're yeah. all, but, you know, I think last year, Brian, you said that getting a low grade is actually good. Uh, because we were predicting, you know, these terrible things. So if you get an A, that's horrible. <laughs> Getting a lower grade is good. Okay, so the nice segue for the next piece here, because one of the things we talked about were DDoS trends for 2016. And um, I think we yes. get a good grade for that one. Yeah, it's an A plus or something, right? <laughs> so yeah, and a little extra credit, I think. Because I didn't, I don't remember. Yeah, I think we, uh, we had made a, basically a prediction that this was going to continue to get worse. And, yeah. you know, it was uh, somewhat based on the IoT things that we had been kind of tracking for about a year at that point. And uh, that really uh, went kind of, you know, sort of ballistic Off the rails. in a sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, and then the next item that we had, and we, these weren't any particular person's predictions, so we'll just kind of discuss them here and not grade them, but the, uh, the other one that we had talked about was destructive malware. Now, the way I define destructive malware is, uh, I mean, it, the, the term was kind of coined around the notion of what had happened to Sony Pictures, where mm -hmm. uh, there was a targeted attack against the organization. They got inside, distributed uh, malware around to the devices and use that to kind of wipe out infrastructure. And I think about 30,000 computers or along those lines had been impacted by this. And uh, although not really destructive, there definitely have been a lot of events over the, over the course of the year. Maybe not big organizations like Sony Pictures, ones that don't, uh, that stick out. But this is another case where it's been sort of on the edge of the headline news uh, kind of, there were some cases where uh, some hospitals had mm -hmm. been targeted by this sort of thing, uh, and then more recently, John, you just covered a story where the uh, San Francisco uh, yeah, municipal rail service, municipal rail service, right. right, had, and I guess that same actor, there were a lot of like construction companies and other things. It's right. kind of interesting because the actor behind that, they kind of figured out in their head what is the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. monetarily that they'll probably pay, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, because if you ask for $100,000, ah, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. But if you ask for like five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, you know, they seem to figure out that what that marketplace will bear in terms of, not to say that, that you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy about that, but it's interesting, I guess, that, 
Um, They're trying to make it sort of a no-brainer decision where right, you're in the face say, of perhaps I'll pay millions of to dollars go of away. impact to the business, but you're paying an extortion. Right. And so uh, it, you know they they'll you know ask for ten thousand dollars compared to a million of dollars of damage. So you really have to stand by your principles if you're not going to pay that pay that extortion threat. And we've talked about some of these like these actors who target some of the smaller things like San Francisco Municipal Rail, probably not a small entity, but some of these other ones were definitely smaller entities where mm -hmm. um, they're not gonna have, you know, probably good security practices around their small company. They're also, the financial impact is probably too small to get reasonable law enforcement assistance mm -hmm. um, or attention around it. Um, so it's, you know, it's an interesting, you know, you get a whole bunch of little ones and you can get a decent amount of money as opposed to one big fish and try to extort a big bunch of money out, mm -hmm. which you're probably not going to be successful at anyway. Right. Because they have more resources to bear to deal with the problem. Or better even security practices, better backup practices, blah, blah, blah. This is absolutely true. And, it, and this is consistent with the types of behavior that have been seen in um, uh, bank fraud. Right. Or trying to steal credentials and gain access to a business bank account. Uh, the tendency is to go toward the medium-sized business. Um, my theory on this is that they want, don't want to go after the large organizations that might have a strong legal team, might get the attention of law enforcement more excited, so to speak, mm -hmm. to investigate it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, and at least in the bank fraud space, going after consumers isn't very lucrative, partly because, uh, at least in bank fraud, the bank is actually liable for the fraud as right. opposed to the business. The, and so when when they're a customer of a large bank, the bank might go after the, the criminals in that case, and the uh, consumers are you know kind of protected. So it's a uh, situation where uh, the, uh, the attackers are not um, you know they're they're making deliberate decisions about who they're going after. Mm -hmm. All right, any other and threatening to destroy things if they don't get their money, which is not good. This yeah. is true. Right, yep. absolutely. Final thoughts, John? Uh, Let's work. We're about a B minus in terms of the grade here, but that's not a bad. That's not a bad. It's not bad. We'll, we'll probably. I guess my final thought would be, since I'm on the prediction show that we're going to have, you know, next week, that will definitely be raising the the average score because I'm participating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're already giving yourself. Right, a good I'm already grade. giving myself an A right. for next year when we review. Or whoever reviews. Oh, Maybe it'll be so next plus. Year. So between my A plus for reverse engineering and your A for predictions, it's going to be wonderful. All right, very good. So that's our show for today. Uh, and thank you for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at attthreattrack at list.att.com. If you have your own predictions, please share those with us. And if you have your own thoughts about the predictions that we just discussed here uh, from last year, we're certainly interested in those thoughts as well. You can find AT&T Threat Track on the AT&T Tech Channel. It's on YouTube as well as on iTunes. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You, our handle is at ATT Business. So thank you, Stan, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, John. Yep. I'm Brian Rexrode. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, keep your network safe. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.